teach y'all a good word tonight. Hallelujah. If you would, if you would, slip over to 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter 1. I want to talk about this for just a minute. You know, I have two messages left this summer for Wednesday. And so I want to talk about taking, don't take no for an answer. Let's point it to ourselves and tell ourselves, don't take no for an answer. And that's what I didn't want to talk about before is because uh, there's going to be some, there's going to be some challenges. And the, the challenges are not negative. There's going to be some challenges to step up. Just like I went to Melissa this evening, three minutes before we cranked it up and said, would you do this? We, we, you know, we all got to come ready. And you think, well, I ain't never call on me. <laughs> you can pray. <laughs> we should all, we should all be in that. We watched a movie last night about uh, uh, Coast Guard trainees and how they, it's like boot camp, how they have to just almost kill them in order to train them so that when they get out in the, in the water rescuing that they don't like, what's this? So they put them in deep water and they uh, simulate a, a, a desperate person that can't swim good grabbing the rescue swimmer and in, in, in that case, sinking them, strangling them, pulling them under and all of that. And, uh, and, and then dropping them out in the ocean, just took them all out there in a big helicopter and just dropped them off and then flew off. And you go, that's, and that's what's gonna happen to us, but we'll be ready for it. They were acclimated. They'd already been in the kiddie pool and they'd already been in the medium pool and you know, before they got dropped in the ocean. Well, I'm saying all that to say, we're, we're going to suffer, but it's not the suffering of pain and unexpected. It'll be the suffer of making decisions out of our comfort, which then will be comfortable. At one time, you suffered to tithe. Come on, y'all. A little amen there. You, you did. But now you're not suffering because you took that on and now you've mastered it. Uh, we, we call it do hard things until they're not hard. And then go do something else hard. And that's what we've been doing in a, in a real limited form. Now, we're not trying to speculate that we're over in, in Ganda or Uganda or, or someplace that's, you know, where they're chasing you down with spears and stuff like that. I'm not trying to say that's what we're doing, but it could be. So we're not going to simulate dropping you off in the ocean and flying the helicopter off. We're not going to try to drown you and all that. But we learn by tribulation or revelation. And revelation is very hard to learn because you've got to be acting like you're in tribulation and that you've got to find the answers even though you don't really have to. It's a simulated suffering or a simulated uh, a crisis where you just say, I I'm hungry. I, I got to go to church. I got to listen to this tape. I got to listen to Curry. I got to listen to this, that, and the other. And, and there's no test. That's when we usually study is when there's a test coming up and somebody's going to grade us. Well, it's coming. Faithful over little, master over much. So the way to get faithful over little is when nothing's happening and we're just, we're just rabid. We're just like, I got to get more. I got to, I, I got to. So this summer, uh, family, I'm telling you what you should do. Do what you will. But even though we're not having Wednesday night, you ought to invite this church. You ought to invite somebody over. And just talk the word or eat ice cream. And if you're eating ice cream, invite me too. But, but you ought to do that this summer. We ought not to, we're not taking the summer off. We're, resting does not mean languishing. We're resting for a lot of reasons. Because there's a Sabbath even in the things of the kingdom. There's a tithe. It's all a resting. So we're going to do that. But we ought to all keep ourselves strong and with one another. You won't be going here Wednesday, so you ought to call somebody and say, hey, it's Tuesday night. Let's get together. And Do you all understand that? Now you go, well, are you going to make us? Of course not. But it's just, do you want to be ahead of the curve? We've got to learn all that. So first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Don't take no for an answer. Don't take no for an answer. Now, <laughs> you know if I'm bringing you this message that you and I are going to be tempted to take no for an answer. It's not like, well, it's a booger man and we're going to, we'll all know what evil looks like. It'll be the devil and he'll be flaming and stinky and all that and we'll know what to do. These things are going to come very sweet and pleasant and, and uh, 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 as an angel of light. There are going to be real temptations and we got to discern them before we fall in the trap. There's nothing worse than a, a jerky back where you have to drive your, you, there's a T coming up, turn left or turn right, and you drive into the pasture across there and you have to try to dig yourself out and make up for it. It's better just to say, I'm turning left right up here and just slow down and turn left. And we've not always done that, but we should do it every time now. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm raising a little bit of urgency but there's no calamity here. There's no threats. There's no suffering. If you listen to the news, they're telling you all sorts of ungodly things are coming. Well, they probably are, but they're not coming on us. Amen. They'll be around us, but we're, and we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And so we will live in the world above during this time. Second Corinthians chapter one, uh, verse 19, uh, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Let's read verse 20 together. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So don't take no for an answer because all the promises of God are yes. I wrote it down in the New Living. No, the Amplified first. For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him. For as many as are the promises of God, what, how many promises are there in the word? Like 8,000? Is that right? It's a hunk and a wad. Uh, they all find their yes answer in him. The New Living says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All. All. A-L-L. The uh, B-B-E. I don't even know. For he is the yes to all the undertakings of God. The undertakings. You reckon God's got some undertakings? You reckon he's working on stuff in the kingdom? You, you reckon he's down in Mexico just taking the summer off? or the You know, you reckon he's on this? The NIV says no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And the message says whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. So it's, it's, it's clear here that we're to have more going on than maybe you have going on. So we should say, we should say, don't say, don't take a no to what Jesus has given a yes. Now you go, well, okay, that sounds easy, but it's not going to be plain. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be obvious. You're going to have to have some discretion to see these things because they're going to come subtle. They're going to come undercover. They're going to come to, to deny the promises or pass on the promises will be like an, in, well, that's an inconvenience right now when absolutely it is the key to the door to the door to the door for the rest of your life. And you might not recognize it. You know, if it was stomped, you know, this is the main event. If you miss here, you're going to miss it all. We'd get that door. But it's a subtle door. It might be a doggy door or something that you got to get in. And, uh, but, but he's telling us, he's, he told the, the church at Corinth, say yes. And that's what I like to say. I say yes to you, Lord, before you even ask me, before I even know what the challenge is, I say yes. I say, Lord, just, just hit me with your best. Hit me with all that I can do. And I'll say yes. You, got, you, you have to cross that before it comes because your strength will melt out of you. Your, your, your courage will go if you hadn't already signed the check and you're waiting for him to fill in the amount. 
You, you have to say in advance, you got you to gotta premeditate. I am a yes man. I say yes. He wouldn't bring anything to me. The word says that. No temptation will come on you that, that you can't handle. So when it comes, you just have already said yes. And now it'll interrupt your summer. It'll interrupt your vacation. It'll interrupt your cash flow. It'll interrupt your all sorts of stuff it's going to interrupt. But there's plenty more of the good where that came from. And so there's no sacrifice. The suffering is to change. We all have to suffer to change because we all don't like change. It's, it's not where we like it. We like it like it is. The only thing we want to change is if there's more money or more leisure or more days off or more whatever. The grass doesn't grow as fast. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whatever that kind of change is, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an abrupt change, something that the Lord says there's a tee up front. You're going to go left or right. And I'll, I'll, if you'll ask me, I'll tell you which way. And so many times I've just plowed through the tea, you know, and there's a barbed wire fence and then there's cows and, you know, it's just it's just terrible. So don't take a no to what Jesus has said yes to. That's my word tonight. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. I am going to preach this message tonight. So uh, I kind of have this thing that says uh, I'm going to have nine Wednesdays off. I, I'm, I'm going to stamp this thing. <laughs> Matthew 15, look in verse 21. You know this story. But it's, it's, it's a talking about not taking the no. Don't take no for an answer. It says in verse 21, Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon, or however you say that. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. Now, if we were to stop and, and, and paint that picture... She came out and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, what if it was your baby and you had heard this, this antidote, this solution, this, this, this thing or person had helped people and it was your baby and it was not going to get worse. It was, it was getting worse. It wasn't going to get better. And so she's crying out to him. She's, it says, uh, uh, cried unto him. But verse 23, but he answered her not a word. You know, this kind of goes against that grain where they show pictures of Jesus. And he's got a lamb under this arm and he's got what victory sign, whatever that means. I, I, don't, I don't know what it means in the, where they paint those, but that's not how it was. He was a man of truth. And truth cuts against the grain. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. It's not just you. But he answereth and said, I am. He told her, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, I'm here, but not for you. It's kind of like going in to take something back at a department store and that you take it in there and you unload it all out and drag your receipts out and they say, oh, you're in the wrong department. You've got to go down there. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, is not meat or right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs? And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And here it is. Jesus answered and said, now it's just what I was talking about a while ago. You got to discern your moments. You got to know where you are. You got to know where you have to say yes and no. And it, it, it'll be surrounded. It'll be, it'll be immersed in, in bitterness and offense and, and you don't like me and you don't care and all the stuff that was going on there that you and I might have bit at. We might have bit at some of that stuff. Yeah. If we weren't mature, if we weren't ready, if we didn't know that's how it worked, we would have, we would have pulled our straps up. And, and he said, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So she wouldn't say no. She would not take no for an answer. 
The word says in verse 22 and 3 that he answered her not a word. And I'll tell you, right there was a good time to give up. And you go, well, that, if I'd have known it was Jesus, I would have, I would have, well, I'll tell you people, people all over the place. Jesus is still, he's not dead. He's still here by his word. And so if they wouldn't believe the word, they wouldn't have believed him for sure. So most quit. Most quit right there. They all get offended. And that's what the word does. The, don't think the word doesn't offend. The word offends. It offends our, our traditions. It offends our sacred cows. It offends our way of doing things. It offends us. And we choose all the time whether we're going to flow with that or not. The, the Holy Ghost, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, was an offensive thing when you first was asked or first heard about it. Like, oh, who would want to speak in tongues? And all the, all the answers that religion had already pursed out to us. And, the first, you know, in healing, it, it's, we've all had the chance to get past something that was unfamiliar or unregular, not normal. So uh, here's what she said. She said, I ask. She could have said, I ask. I got prayer. I felt nothing. And it still hurts. And that's where many, many Christians are when they get in trouble physically. They go to their spiritual gathering, their church, their pastor, their priest or whatever. And they say, what, what can I do? This is bad. I can't take it any longer. And uh, so he prays for her or whatever. And, and basically they will say to God, I ask I got prayer, whatever you said do, lay hands on me. I felt nothing. Nothing happened. You ever got prayer and nothing, you didn't feel anything? Well, yeah. And I still hurt. So right there, that's where she is. And it would be easy to say no. Because he was giving her nothing. He wasn't saying, move out of the way. And he was casting devils out of this one. And he was healing that one. And she was right there. It was just her. So people start making up traditions of men and religion starts saying, well, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to beg? I'll beg. Well, how, how do you want me to beg? You want me to suffer? I'll suffer. What do you what do you need? Do I need to do better, suffer more, uh, do without something? Do I need to pay something for my sins? I'm telling you, this is what rumbles. This is this is the the language of the offended with the Lord. They they've got it down. They speak it fluently. It's rehearsed and read out of a, a book. So they say, God, what do you want out of me? I did what you said or what the man of God said. I did that. And then they'll say this. Uh, <laughs> you must be preparing me to use me in a suffering form. I don't understand what it is or why or how, but this cancer, this leukemia, this, uh, this condition, you must be preparing me. The, the example I had of that was a woman that was a, wow, she was a, an evangelist in Seminole. This woman was, she, she would get fence posts down on their knees and saying yes to Jesus. But she got cancer and they shipped her to MD Anderson. So she was going up and down the halls between her treatments and getting people saved. So everybody in Seminole, 7,200 people, almost all of them said that's why they sent her, why God sent her. It's because look at all those people that she got saved. So God put something on her because he wanted to use her. So uh, if you get willing to suffer, carry your cross, as it were. Bear your burden, as it was. That's what religion says. You get in that mindset, like, I, I prayed, I got them to do for me. Uh, nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. And I still hurt the same as before. It demands a response. When, when you go through all that, th there's, a, there's a, like a column of numbers, you add them all up, and then there's a sum, it demands a response. And almost always, we make the wrong response. But she didn't. Now I want to tell you here, we cannot take her confession as New Testament saints and say, well, that's what she did, and she got it, that's what we'll do. Because she said even the dogs... So she, she said, I'll, I'll, I'll humble myself. I, she was outside of the covenant. Jesus was not there for her. She was not Jewish. 
She was outside the covenant. So in order to get a status that all the Jews already just automatically had, she had to have a leap of faith. She had to put on something because she didn't have it. She had to get it. And so she did. She said, even little dogs get to eat under the master's table. And so she was asking for mercy because she was outside of the, the lineage or the line of mercy. It wasn't there for her. And she said those things. And it closed the gap. Sometimes we've got to close the gap. Because we've all been prayed for and nothing happened, so to speak. I mean, we didn't go, go woo-hoo, I couldn't walk and now, I was blind and now, and I couldn't hear now. And we, we, so many times that's not how it happens, although it does. But not so much in the church. There's a difference between people that are just babies in the Lord, maybe not even born again. And how the Lord will move miraculously in them. And how he expects you and I to respond to the word. It's not the same. But, but just so that we're clear, we are not, this is not a model for us. The only thing that's a model for us is her courage and her faith to get past whatever was in front of her. Because you'll, be, you'll have something in front of you that you'll say, I, I, yeah, I, it's over. I did everything I knew to do. And this is what they say. If God, if God wants to heal me, he knows where I'm at. They're very creative in their unbelief. But verse 25 says that she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So she worshipped him. What did she, how did she worship him? Well, she didn't fall down on her knees. She just said, uh, she said. What did she say? She said, Lord. And then she said, help me. She worshipped him. She humbled herself. She said, you're Lord, even though I don't have a covenant with this. You know, none of the Jews were born again, so she was right in there with her faith. And uh, she didn't deserve the children's bread, but she accessed it. And that's what you and I have to do. When the promises don't appear to be available to us, just like this woman, it's not that they're not available. The promises of God are yes and amen. I said the promises of God are all, every one of them. You want me to read the five translations again? They're all available to all of us all the time in full strength. There is no suffering. There is no deprivation. There's no calling. There's no ranking where you got to get good enough or you, you've been slacking. And so that's why it's taking longer. None of that's going on. They are immediate. They are readily available right now, every one of them. There's nothing God's withholding. The, the cabinet door is open. Anything you need and anything you want. Uh, so we, we can't take this woman as a pattern any more than we can take the woman with the issue of blood. We can't take her as a pattern. But what we do take a pattern from, and the reason it's in there, is because she had faith. She said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. So there's a principle there that works, but, uh, you know, we're not unclean. And we're not outside of the covenant. And we're not beyond the, the, the power of God like, like these people in the Old Testament were. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, please. I will tell you that if you're not, this would just be good counsel, if you're not willing to take a no, okay, I'm going to wait till y'all are tuned in. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Now here, here's a big key to your life. Your life of faith. You've got you to ascertain where you are. You've got to judge yourself. If you'll judge yourself, you won't be judged. If you're not willing to not take no, if, no, if, you, if you can't handle no, not an instant no, a miraculous, uh, excuse me, where, where you say, if it's not miraculous, I'm turning God down. I'm mad. Just wait. You've got to go home and build yourself up. So that you, no matter what it looks like, whatever the no looks like, because it's not no. It's not no from heaven's side, but we interpret it as being a no because, well, where is it? I don't feel anything and, and I've done everything. I See, we're saying no to the promises of God where he said yes. And you got to get where you just say it doesn't matter. 
Faith is now, I've got this. Nothing has to happen for me to know I've got it, that it's working in my body, it's working in my money. It doesn't, nothing has to happen, nothing has to show up. I don't have to feel anything. Don't have to see any checks or anything like that. Nothing has to happen. I believed I received when I prayed, and that's the end of it. That's, that's it. Now, if you're not there, you should not step off the plank. <laughs> if you can't swim, you need to stay off the high, high board. That was real good. So we're just, you got to get where you're just not willing to take no. And it'll work every time. Say every time. time. It'll work every time. If you get to the place where you're unwilling to take no for an answer, it's not going to happen. I got it. I'm, I'm keeping it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it takes 20 years. It's not. It doesn't matter if it has to come through my worst, my biggest enemy. It, do, it, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. I have it, and how it is released in my body is irrelevant. Amen. Second Corinthians 8, 9. So uh, here we go. Here's the promise of God. Well, this is a covenant promise. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for my sake, our sake, your sake, he became poor. The word there is indigent. Y'all know what engine is? It's, it's uh, homeless. It's, uh, you don't have anything. Indigent. He became poor that ye through his indigency, it's the same word, might be rich. The word rich there is wealthy. I mean, you, you can say, ah, oh, it's spiritual riches. You can look it up. Look it up. It's not that. It means they got stuff. Well, let's turn on. You got, you got to say yes to that. What? And so we're at a place at River Church and in the kingdom, all of us, where we're not just believing the promises. Yay, by his stripes I was healed. Yay, he became poor that I through his poverty might be rich. We're, we're all good there. What we're contending with is exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. We're, we're looking in chapter 9 right here, verse... Uh, um, verse uh, 8 and God is able to make all grace all grace abound toward me that I always always every day in every way always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work I mean all of these adjectives are all the nth adjectives. It, it, they're all inclusive. They're not partial. So that's where you and I, if we're struggling, and I'm not putting anything on you, but if anything, we're getting out into the exponential. We've crossed the little river of, are the promises right, and are they good for me, and are they good for me all the time? Okay, I may get sick, I may get poor, but I can scratch my way back with the promises. Well, now we've got to go to the next level if it were, where you go. There's plenty more where that came from. There's plenty more. And if I need more, gas is $18 a gallon. <laughs> fill her up. You want to fill up that big truck? All the way. Here's some cans in the back. We got to get there. And, and so we have to, the same process that got us to believing the word is true, that the promises of God are yes and amen the same thing, the process that got us there. Whoo, we arrived. Yes, we finally made it. We believe. Oh, no. No, you're on, you, we're in that, of course. We, to get into the holy place, we're going to have to have an expectancy of everything is always all the way in everything. And we hadn't got there yet. But we're always pressing on it. We're always taking the key and trying to get it in the door so that it will be there. So... Uh, I do want you to look here. I noticed this uh, in verse 7. The end of it says, God loveth the cheerful giver. Then it says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So, so what accesses the promises? The cheerful giver. Oh, I ain't got nothing. There's not big, that big in my life. Where, where's all this stuff? Ah, cheerful giver. You got you to stand under the spout if you want to get wet. Just seeing it over there is not going to get you saturated. 
So over there is the cheerful giver spout. Woohoo! I found a seed. I got more seed to give this morning. I got. I, see, we got we got to bridge that, don't we? Where not only are we expecting exceeding abundantly above from Him, but that we expect exceedingly above from me. We're like, I'm believing God for new seed to sow. I'm believing God. I'm believing myself personally. Now, I don't mind telling you because I, I have it. There's a million dollars coming into my life. And I can tell you there is no string or track or plan that you could say, oh, yeah, I, he knows where that's coming from. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. But it doesn't matter. That's just my first million. But, you know, I got to give more than $100. To get into the million room. And I got to get happy about it. I got to find a new car in my bank account and sow that into the kingdom cheerfully. You go, that's, that's just wrong. Well, then just work on it. If that's wrong, then you work on it till it's you figure it out. If that's not the way it is, then come back and teach us how it is. But that's how it is. That you don't have anything that's yours. We are steward of all of his. And if you want to hold back, like the, the guy that put his in the dirt, everybody can. But he deals, he doesn't deal severely with you except just to cut you off from the master over much, which is everything. In our realm of life, in our realm of the spirit, being master over all is everything. Because he's using you. You're administrating the kingdom. You're whooping devils left and then you're whooping them right. You've, you, you've, we, we know Smith Wigglesworth. We know John G. Lake. That's what these men did. They had nothing of their own. They never looked to a savings account or rainy day fund or anything. They looked completely to being sold out to him. But you can't just whop it off. You can't just take a knife and cut off that part of your life, it's got to be dissolved out. So we always say this, you got to work stuff in as you're working stuff out. You, you can't just cut it off the neck and just say, that, that was pretty severe. It, it, you can't do it. You got you to acclimate. But you got to acclimate, you got to be in the process all the time. Every day you got to get up and take ground because there's only 360 days to get up in a year. So if you don't get up every day and do that, well, then you're just 100 days and you didn't take much ground because you can only take out so much. Renewing your mind, you take out poverty and lack and sickness and pain. You take it out. Ownership. I own this. This is mine. Nobody it's paid for. Nobody's taking it away from me. It's all subject to him. And if that's too severe, then you're still working stuff out. And what are we working in? Exceeding abundantly above. All sufficiency in all things. I'm abounding to every good work. There's plenty more where that came from. That's where we're going. If you don't know where we're going, then you're, you're, you're making circles in the desert. We, we need to make a straight shot. We know where we're going. That's where, River Church, that's where you're going. Now, you can peel off any time. You can quit. You can give up. You can go back to the world. or just because, But you can't hold your place. If you're not going forward, you're not staying where you are. Does that make sense? Now, I wrote this scripture down. Just let me read it to you. I just, I just read it to you. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Now, look here. According to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory. Verse 21 starts out, unto him be glory. So to get that exceeding abundantly above business going, we've got to be giving him glory. There's always a little catch thing in every promise that says, here's the key, open the door. You know, you've got a 300 pound door and you've got a three ounce key. And both of them will get through the door, but you'll be, beat all the thunder if you don't use the key. So I'm always looking for the key because I've been a lot of years getting beat up trying to beat the door down. Wasted years. Not reckless years, not, not prodigal years, 
just didn't know. And even if you should know and you don't know, if you don't know, you, then you're going to suffer from your, like we said earlier, know the truth and the truth will set you free. So when you are giving God glory, to him be all glory, it says in verse 21, then what you're saying is I'm not willing to take no for an answer. I'm giving him all glory. And when you do that, then it's exceeding abundantly above. Then what you're asking or thinking is in line with the kingdom because we're giving him all glory. We're not sneaking around in our heads saying, I wonder how I can get a new car out of this or a paid for house out of this. How you do it is the master comes and says, that's well done. Here, have the rest of it. Take over the rest of my stuff. That's how it happens. But you actually truly can't even work that as a plan. You can't actually say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. But you know your promise to give it all back to me. It's true. But you can't work that promise. It has to be part of you. Uh, I've got just enough time to turn to Psalm 37. Now, this is where I said I was going to meddle just a little. I see everybody cinching up their seatbelt. I saw y'all. <laughs> I am one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Just remember who told you. Let's read it together. Verse 25. Because this is who we are. Verse 25. Psalm 37. Verse 25. Ready, read. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaking or nor his seed begging bread. The New Living says, once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Now I want to tell you something. I'm going to straighten this up tonight. I'm, all I'm going to do is just put a seed out there. You can plant it, water it, or you can cast it away. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, but it's the truth. You'll know what I'm talking about. This culture, every culture that's on the earth right now, but the culture in America, we idolize youth. And it's an error. Because we get old and we yield or give up to the youth and say, oh, I, I, and I watch them in stores. They got two thumbs. I got two thumbs. They hold their phone right here. And then they, something happens. <laughs> and it comes out with no mistakes. Now, it's not English. It's you're as you are and BTW and all that, all that. But they never miss it. And there's no commas. There's no colons. There's nothing. But everybody on the other end knows exactly what happened. And it happened. And I'm over here with a fat finger. <laughs> And then I hit the, I accidentally hit a button down there and it sends the text. That, well, anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I want to tell you something about youth. Now, you are an exception, Matthew. So, and we all had to be youth. So there's no, nothing here about you. But I'll tell you, the youth know nothing and have nothing. They know nothing. What they do know is irrelevant. I mean, they've, they've got skill sets and they've got ambitions and stuff like that. Uh, I've known two people that their whole goal in life was to be a video game, pro, uh, pro, uh, video game instructor. And that people all over the world would pay them money to teach them how to win at Commando 6 or Gotcha 7 or whatever's, whatever's going on out there. I obviously don't know. So it is wrong for us. Listen, I'm saying it. Jump chip if you want to. It's wrong for anyone to follow the young. And you're going to, you, why, why do we discount our years? Why do we diminish ourselves and say, I'm old or I'm less or I'm on the bottom side of the curve and they're sharp and they've got degrees or not. And they're, you know, I'm just conjecturing. I, th I don't think their degrees are like we got degrees. But that would just be a conjecture based on the American education system. I think they, I think everything's watered down. So, but even if it's not, 
they still don't know anything because being able to regurgitate, and we all did that, stayed up all night for the test the next day and just blooped it out there, got it on paper, and then pulled the hatch back and there was nothing in there after that. Uh, older is the victory of life. Say, I got the victory. Older is the victory of life, not youth. Youth is not the victory of life. Youth does not have wisdom. And we're talking stereotypically. I'm not, we're not talking about exceptions here, that this, that, and the other. And savants don't count. Autistic don't count because that is, that is an anomaly, a good anomaly, but it's also got a, a negative side to it. So just saying someone that can read, that can just turn pages and then quote you several pages without looking down, that's, that's, maybe that's where we all should be, but that's not what we're talking about here. Just because you can't do that doesn't mean that you're, you're not good. So who will you imitate? Now, we're all middle-aged in here. In broadcast, you may be middle-aged, but you're coming to middle-aged. If you're not now, you're, you're moving. And you may despise older people, but I promise you there's one unescapable thing. <laughs> we were young like you, and now we're not. But you are not old like us, but you will be. It's nothing that we drank or gave or didn't, didn't sign up for. The Word says that who we'll imitate. Because I need to know, if I'm not going to imitate the youth, and their resiliency, and their vigor, and their intuition, and their vision, and marvelous things, ideas, and we, we wouldn't just, we're not saying they're a bunch of idiots. We're just saying that's not who we follow. And you say, well, I don't do that. Sure you do. We all have. We've all secretly admired, or looked to, or wished. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says in the Amplified, says, pattern yourselves after me. This is Paul speaking. Pattern yourself after me. Was Paul a teenager? Ha! Not hardly. He'd already been to Hebrew school and he was the, he was the top of the shelf. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. The BBE says, so take me for your example even as I take Christ for mine. We, are, we should have people to emulate and to imitate and to follow, but they're not young. I'm going to get on this horse just a little longer so that when I get off, I don't have to get back on it. Hallelujah. So why, why do we emulate the young? I tell you, we don't know who we are in Christ, if, if that's part of our life. We, we see that we're not young anymore, that it hurts to get around a little bit and we're not as fast and we're our memory or whatever you may be experiencing. I'm not trying to put anything on all of you or any of you. I'm just saying maybe you have regrets. Maybe you have embarrassment. Maybe you have shame from a thing that you've done in your life and you just cashed out. You said, well, since I did that, God's not going to use me. The Lord never said that, but the devil did. And we just said, well, yeah, I wish I was 19 or 25. I never wish I was 25 or 30. But, but anyway, the point is, they hadn't done anything. Or maybe they have. But there's no guilt or shame. There's no repentance. There's no turnaround for the young people. Stereotypically, it's just, it's all okay. It's all, it's all what, what you, you and I might be burdened under what we did or didn't do. It's just okay for them. They're not guilty. They're not ashamed because everybody's doing it. But we didn't. Uh, maybe you're battling symptoms. Maybe you're feeling uh, rejected. Maybe you're tired. I'm talking about waves of it or, or coming by you that one day you might say, you know, I'm just tired. You might say that. I am just wore out or whatever. And it's wrong to say that. But maybe you have. And so you look out and you long for the days when you had opportunity, but you blew it. Or maybe you look back and say, well, if I'd have done that, maybe this would have happened. If I'd have snagged that boy that uh, proposed to me, look what I'd be doing now. Now I'm with old Jethro Bodine and I, I can't get anything along. And you, you, you get to looking at things. So here's, here's my point. You are not your body. I am not my body. I am not my body. 
sure, there's, there's looser things and wrinkled things. And, and there's all sorts of things that are natural and progressive. Uh, it's not even unusual. It's not like, you old thing, you're 70 years old and you got wrinkles. Yep, got gray hair where I have hair. That's, that's a, it's a good thing. I, I'm real proud of my gray hair or whatever when I can find it. Hallelujah. Uh, maybe someone's rejected you and you just don't have the whatever to bounce back and just fight your way back. Whereas when you were 35, you'd have taken them out for saying that. You'd have just said, step outside. But that's not who you are. You are not your body. So youth, is, youth doesn't have anything for you. The wisdom of God is in us. It's been hard fought for. We have, we've suffered for the wisdom. We've made mistakes. We've gone the wrong way. We hooked up with the wrong people. We made decisions based on pride. We, all of us have done all sorts of things that we would like to unwind and undo. But we can't. But the high part of that is, is we learned from our mistakes. Most of them. I would say everybody here, we all have been through the school of hard knocks, so to speak. And we've learned some things and we're not going to do those things again. The problem is, is that we become cautious. You know, Mark Twain, my famous little saying, the cat that jumps on the hot stove won't jump on any stove. And so sometimes when you've been burned, you just back off. I'm never going to let that happen. And so there's no valor in you. There's no strength in you. There's no courage. And you start to emulate or start to look backward fondly to the other years. And it's wrong to go back. It's evil to go back. It's anti-God to go back. Because that's not where you're going. Sure, we've been there. And we don't want to tell all of our story. We just tell the parts where we got the victory. But some stuff never did turn out good. We married somebody we shouldn't have. We had babies that we shouldn't have. We, you know, which you can't have babies you shouldn't have. But at the time, we thought we shouldn't have. All sorts of things. All sorts of things. And so we emulate the youth. And the youth hadn't got anything. Sure, they hadn't done anything wrong, but they hadn't done anything. I want to tell you something. Older is not looks. I don't look as good as I used to, but I look better than, than I could. We all do the best we can with what we got. If, if you smoke like a train for 40 years, you probably look different than someone that's never touched it. If you drank, if you, whatever people do to age them, and uh, you go, man, if I hadn't of that, I wouldn't be this. Uh, I've seen people that don't have any teeth because they, they smoked it, or they don't have, they've, whatever people are, you know what I'm talking about or trying to. But the point is, is looks don't matter. I am a wise man. I'm not as wise as I'm going to be, but I have weathered life well considering what I've been through I've come out on top and it's because I just decided to not emulate youth I never, I never want to go back I'm 69 and a half I never want to go back I, I don't want to go back 10 years or 5 years I am the happiest fella on the planet and it's not because everything's going perfect it's because I am happy with who I am you need to get happy with who you are and quit looking to be somebody else, a younger you or a younger somebody else or a wish I'd had this career and if I'd done that and all this stuff. Quit it. Quit it. You will never amount to anything if you get stuck on something besides right now. I have a scripture for you. It's in uh, uh, well, actually I will, the, 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 here's, here's what I, I missed. You, are, you can't be younger, but actually if you knew the kingdom, if you discern the kingdom, the kingdom needs you just like you are. It's not like, well, we're outdated, we're outmoded, we can't do what we used to, can't run, can't jog. Well, Melissa can, but I, I don't even like to watch people jog anymore. <laughs> So it's like, oh, but uh, 
we're not what we used to be. But we're just exactly what we need to be. Now, get my point. I'm, I'm, it's seven minutes after tonight. Hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty three says, uh, let me just read it. We know it. Uh, verse 23 says, uh, I say to you that whoever shall saith to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believeth those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So, you know, Joel Osteen quotes this, he, and, and I'm going to critique it just a little. He said, this is my Bible. I have what it says. Now, how could you criticize that? Because I'm not having what the Bible says. This is my Bible. I have what I say. Little subtle difference there. Because there's people holding their Bible up in that service. I have what the Bible says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I can, you know. And they don't know anything in there. They don't open it. They just, they just, the promises are over here and they're over there and they're not in there. You got to put this word. You got to put the promises in and then let the promises be yes and amen to your life. So cancer does not have the last word. I have the last word. Lack and shortage does not have the last word. It's a temporary thing that we go through. And if you're full of faith, you don't even know you went through it. It's like, really? That was, we had a downturn? Didn't even notice it. So I'm going to quote uh, my scripture, my, let's see, uh, 1, 2 Corinthians 1, 20, that says, For all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. So we're not going to take no for an answer. Now, you're going to remember this message. The last of this summer and this fall, you're going to remember this message because you're going to be tempted to say no. And you're going to remember the word that Pastor Brock said, I'm never taking no for an answer. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to hang in. I'm going to, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to get through because I'm not taking no for an answer. Amen. 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 So we say yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus. That's what that means. When you say yes to Jesus, well, you're saying yes to the promises. Amen. Well, y'all were blessed to let me get that out.